Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. We'll always start the podcast tipping our hats to the people. New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. And uh, if you're listening to the Braves or uh, a lot of postseason baseball right now, you'll hear a lot about Louisiana hot sauce as they're not only the title sponsor of the Nolcast for six years or so, they are also the title sponsor of the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. So I've heard a lot of Louisiana ad reads recently, bud. And uh, it's been fun. No doubt, man. I really, really appreciate those guys continuing to sponsor us. Just a great product, you know, Tarpon Sellers as well. Uh, But you know what's not really a great product this year, Ingram? UMass football. And that's why we're here tonight, to give you the most comprehensive 45-minute breakdown of UMass football that we possibly can. Uh, No, in in all seriousness, I, I think I've said this before. I... I actually do enjoy doing these game preview episodes. I, I, I like breaking down the, the opponent to see kind of what they do and and what they they can't do. Um, in this case, there's a lot of stuff that UMass doesn't do very well, uh, to be frank. They do have a win on the year. They, they got a win over UConn. Uh, but this spread is 36 for a reason. I know we were chatting beforehand. If you look at some various power ratings out there, Jacksonville State would actually be a favorite over these guys, dude. Yeah, I would uh I would expect that. I tried to watch a little bit of you uh UMass. Uh almost said UConn there, but I did try to watch a little bit of UMass and all I watched UConn too, because like that that was that was the game I watched. That was the game they won. Yeah, that was one of the the few that's uh available on decent television. But um I just got distracted to be honest with you. I ended up watching a movie or a movie. <laughs> I ended up watching about a seven minute YouTube. I went down the the UMass football rabbit hole, watched a little video about the facilities and you know, they've got a uh, decent facility there, but it's it's obvious that, uh, you know, when, when Walt Bell's trying to throw his, his sales pitch fastball, it's maybe like a pitcher that doesn't quite believe he can really get it by the batter. Seems seems a wee bit of an empty sale at times, so I have to say. Man, they uh, I have them 129th right now in my power ratings. Um, they're kind of tied with like New Mexico State and, uh, and UConn, who they beat. UConn, of course, had COVID on offense that week. So the head coach and two starting offensive linemen, and I think another kid also missed the game there on that one. Uh, I remember that because I actually bet UConn or UMass, but I also bet the over. So the over didn't hit because, I mean, obviously, like UConn is a bad enough offense without COVID. Uh, with, with COVID, they're kind of a special brand of bad. Uh, but UMass did go ahead and get that dub there. Uh, Ingram, would you like to hear what their postgame win expectancies were so far in their, uh, in their six games? Please, absolutely. Uh, at Pitt, lost seven to fifty-one. Postgame win expectancy, as you might expect, zero. So that that wasn't a fluky seven to fifty-one. That was that was a pretty well-earned seven to fifty-one loss. Uh, Boston College, twenty-eight to forty-five. You might think they're competitive there. Uh, not really, actually. They, a ton of garbage time points. Uh, postgame win expectancy four four percent. Eastern Michigan, a team that has had a lot of injury this year, uh, twenty-eight to forty-two. Post-game win expectancy, 41%. So actually, they kind of hung around there a little bit. Uh, at Coastal Carolina, 3 to 53. 3 to 53. Uh, 0%, as you might expect there. Toledo. Toledo team that can't score at all this year. 45 to 7. Again, 0. And then last, uh, well, they're coming off a bye. So all, always dangerous. Off a bye here, uh, 77% over UConn or COVID UConn. You covid I don't know. That's probably not appropriate to make that joke, but all right. Um, so really, this is a football team uh, that is is just, they're not competitive. Um, that doesn't mean they don't play hard. 
but they are they're lacking in quite a few uh, quite a few areas. In fact, I totaled it up, and in all the stat categories uh, that I track, they are actually outside the top 100 in 90 percent of them. You want to hear where they're not like outside the top 100? No, I think I remember from seeing some of this stuff earlier in the week, but yeah, please <laughs> do. That which is not illuminated in the darkest and brightest of reds. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so defensive power success rate. They do a decent, like if you get third and short, it's not an automatic win. They actually like kind of are okay with that. Air yards per pass. Not everybody just chucks deep on them all the time. Interestingly, they have hit some marginal some explosiveness through the air on offense, not normally. Most issues, they just, we'll get into how they do it in a second. Um, they have avoided third and long uh, somewhat, I guess, but they've definitely avoided third and short quite a bit, which, I mean, hey, it's hard to get third and short if your offense is this bad. Defensive third and short success rate kind of pairs with, uh, uh, with you know, stopping the run pretty well in short yardage situations. And Ingram, there is a spot where they are number one in the country. Literally, number one in the country. They have a 0% turnover rate inside the 10-yard line. Look at that. So if UMass gets inside that 10-yard line, if you want to hold them without any kind of points, you better expect uh, you better block a field goal or something because they are not going to turn them all over inside your 10-yard line. Well, you gotta gotta be able to build around something, bud. Definitely. I mean, it's uh, and I'll let you give our listeners a better idea of it. But it's a it's an offense that goes kind of fast, not super fast. It's kind of out of the Larry Fedora uh, type of coaching philosophy tree. A couple decent components: a uh, running back that's uh, not bad, a wide receiver that if he catches it can be fairly explosive, but can also you know be be more than willing to drop a, a third and seventeen pass that would have gone for thirty. So. Uh, They've got a couple decent pieces here. I don't want to completely write them off, but certainly an offense that Florida State's defense should uh, should not suffer too much from, you would think. If you lose this team, they should fire the entire coaching staff on the field. Like, straight up. I mean, not except. This team is, is definitely worse than Jacksonville State, in, in my opinion. Um, so the quarterback is uh, is Brady Olson. Uh, obviously, Walt Bell, as as we I think we mentioned earlier in the show, Walt Bell, former uh, one year offense coordinator under Willie Taggart, you know, took this took this team over. And uh, some guys just want to be head coaches, and some guys are a little more picky. And I just don't think this was uh, uh, this was maybe the best job to take. I knew some guys on the staff before Bell took over, and they basically told me, Bud. Uh, we should absolutely drop down to FCS. Like we have no business being an FBS, uh, and their power ratings suggest that. I mean, I think Sagarin, Sagarin has like 175 in the country, which is like 40 FCS teams are, are probably better. I don't even know if this team would make the FCS playoffs. Uh, so yeah, don't lose this team. Obviously, you lost Jacksonville State. Not not a not a good thing. I know Norvell this this week was sort of like dissatisfied with the inconsistency of practices and and. You know, following the North Carolina game, you talked about how they turned a corner. It's a whole new team, and yet, you know, this week he's not really happy with some of the inconsistencies in practice. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's unrealistic to think that this team is going to practice with with great consistency. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I should be wrong on that. But I, I think I'm going to be right on that. Uh, so, Walt Bill, uh, like you said, they're kind of a spread team, like like, like Fedora. 
Uh, they'll do some RPO stuff. Tempo's kind of moderate. They do honestly like line up and chuck the ball deep on these sort of go routes that haven't even developed yet. Uh, mostly because I think they really can't pass protect. But the, they have some fucking numbers, so I'll, I'll get into them. Brady Olson, the quarterback, I don't think he's like that bad, but he's certainly one of the worst quarterbacks you faced this year. Uh, 52% completions, 6-4 to four touchdown interception ratio, uh, 5.4 adjusted per attempt. He's not even really the planned starter. Uh, Tyler Lytle, uh, who was at, was he at Rice, I think, before this? I remember the name. Uh, he played the first game against Pitt and then got hurt. Uh, but Olsen's been playing most of the game since and does have the majority of their snaps. Um, like Kind of equally bad against man and zone. Running back Ellis Merriweather is kind of decent. I mean, not special, but his yards per carry is fine. His success rate, I mean, relative to everything else on my screen here, is okay. He had some nice, nice stats against UMass. Their receivers, as you mentioned, like Rico Arnold, I actually do think has uh, some nice upside. I'm trying to be nice here. He, he averages 15 yards a catch, which is not terrible. He also has a 15% drop rate. It's really not what you're looking for. Uh, that's that's like off game to Mario and Terry level, and that's not not really what you want. Uh, without the uh, upside, obviously, of like good game uh, to Mario and Terry, they are. Absolutely horrendous at converting third downs. Um, almost all of their first downs come on first or second down, which basically means they catch a defense off guard somehow. On third down, they're 128th in the country in third and medium success rate. They are 128th in the country in third and long success rate. They just don't convert third downs. They they don't stay on the field. They they punt a whole heck of a lot. Their run game, I think, is better than their pass game overall, but they basically don't ever hit explosive runs. They're the only only explosive p- plays this team hit so far this year, pretty much, are through the air. And here's a funky stat for you, right? They actually don't allow much pressure at all. Like, they're 41st in sack rate, and you would think something this bad would, would be much worse than that. You know, they're 36th in passing down sack rate. Nobody blitzes them. They're basically like they're 24th in, in blitzes face, like to the good. Pressure rate's not that bad. And so my thought is, what the hell are they doing? So I actually went back and watched, like not a full game, but I watched some full, some full drives and, and found some of these third downs. And they're kind of just getting the ball and taking like a step or two and chucking it up and hoping one of their guys can run under it. Which if you can't pass protect and you got to get the ball down the field, like, I guess that's the, the way to do it. Very, uh... Very evolved offensive philosophy that we're talking about. It sounds like, so yeah, I mean, th- this this team should be in the FCS. They should. Uh, before we transition over to the defense, which is really kind of the the weaker of the two units that we're about to talk about, I'll let you talk about the good people over there with uh, Shannon and Chad, the team they built. Had another listener reach out to me directly, uh, and I put in touch with Shannon. Shannon, I think that's that's two episodes in a row. I might have merged them. Uh, put him in touch with Shannon. Said immediately contacted me uh, looking to refi and um, yep you would know better than most but dude that is absolutely absolutely awesome did we already give a shout out uh, to Matt and Lynn in Jacksonville that I, I think that's the last uh, last email I think we I think we did mention them hashtag uh, clock is ticking on Manny I, I, lo- I love Shannon's hashtags that that, that he sends us with, with, with the emails uh, also at hashtag beat UMass but uh, gosh if if we need a hashtag for that. 
844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. I've used these guys twice. It's just an awesome experience. Nobody wants to go through the mortgage process, but everybody wants to get a home. So you got to have somebody to do it with, and you might as well go with somebody who has great rates, awesome knowledge of the market, proven track record of customer service. More than 200 Noel Cast listeners have decided to make the legendary choice. 844-FSU-LOAN. Give Shannon and Chad a call. 844-FSU-LOAN. Uh, and with that, Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk some UMass defense. <laughs> oh boy! Like we said, this is the weaker of the two units uh, that we just profiled. This this may be you know one of the worst three to five units in the country uh, when it comes to defensive ball. They do run kind of a kind of a four two five uh, look. I, you would like to think that you the strides that you saw at offensive line in particular against UNC are going to continue. You'd certainly, (laughs) if they don't continue in this game, uh, if you don't see a a healthier offensive line, I don't want to use the term dominant, but this certainly shouldn't be a day where there's a ton of defenders running around the backfield or anything like that. Uh, You've got your two tackles in place, your center. Hopefully they're a little bit more healthy over the past 12 days. The interior guys, uh, you know, you'll use as, as needed and as you can. Uh, and hopefully be able to rotate those three. But uh, this should be a good day for the offensive line. Good day for the uh, offense in general. This is uh, legitimately one of the one of the worst units in the country. Yeah, I, I have them uh, tied as the worst defense in the nation with Arkansas State. Uh, if you like expand out a couple decimal points, it's actually Arkansas State. So very, very barely, uh, Arkansas State is the worst defense. But uh, UMass is right there with them. Uh, Ingram, they. Do not do anything well at all. Some of these offenses that they've played are just straight up bad, and they still gave up a, a ton of yards and points to, the, to these offenses. Um, they, are at, they are allowing 68% completions on an average air yards of 9.5. Their linebackers in coverage make FSU look like they have a bunch of Telvin Smith clones in comparison. They really, like their backers can't run it's a problem because they can't play eight defensive backs, right? Uh, they don't rush the passer like at all. They're 121st in pressure rate, like 119th in sack rate. They don't get after the passer. Uh, they allow big plays at a tremendous clip. I mean, 14% of all of all plays faced have gone for 20 plus. That's quite a bit, um, obviously. So. Uh, I mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're facing 70 plays a game and you're averaging, you know, allowing five plays of 20 plus, that's, you know, not great. Um, there's not a lot here. Size, like size wise, they're okay. Um, defensive tackles are like 305, 285. So that's not, that's not tiny. Uh, not a ton of athleticism from that group. Uh, they have, well, they got two guys who are okay. I think Deshaun Ross actually, I mean, he makes a lot of tackles for them. Uh, Bryce Watts is probably their best defender, in, in my opinion, at least. He has the highest havoc rate. He's like third on the team in tackles. Uh, you know, he's got some run stuffs on his own, even though he, he's a DB. Like, that's kind of the name you'll probably hear on the broadcast. But overall, this, this team does not do uh, really much at all. Devin Baldwin is a guy who he's their best pass rusher and yet he only has two pressures 
on the season. Although they might argue Billy Wood, Billy Wooden's their best pass rusher, but I, I, I don't know. It's kind of split. Anyway, this is sort of probably turning the listeners off. This is not a good defense at all. I mean, at all. This is you should score forty plus and probably fifty plus in this game. Yeah, that, that, that's the much more interesting. If we still have the listeners after debating about who's the worst, worst defense <laughs> in the country, yeah. <laughs> do you need to skill, score 50, uh, 40? I mean, do you really want to, and, and how do you get there? Uh, it's kind of what I'm saying there. Do you really just want to run Jordan and, and really turn the, the offense into what it has to be at the same time? You've messed about and took an L in a game where you tried to be cute and run some stuff that's still kind of mysterious to me, but um, what do you expect to see? Because, uh, I mean, you certainly, uh, you're going to win this game, almost certainly, uh, like like what Bud said at the beginning. Uh, I certainly hope in the 10 years that we've done this, the most downloaded clip ever is not you saying that the coaching staff needs to be fired on the field before they leave the field. When you look at the this game and then you look at the Physical team after physical team after physical team following as physical as you're going to see in the in the ACC. Um, it'll be interesting case and roster management, I guess, is a real long-winded way of me saying that I'll uh, be fascinated how you get there, how much of the offense you really want to run, how many hits you want to expose Jordan to. Uh, that part of the game is, is far and away kind of the most intriguing part of it as we sit here on a Thursday uh, looking, looking to jump back into the schedule after the bye week. I, I agree, right? Because, look, I- a hit is a hit. All these guys are on scholarship. They may not be Alabama-level defenders or Georgia guys or whatever, but they're, a hit is a hit. And let, let's, let's think about what is the reason why this offense is all of a sudden working. It's because you got some guys back healthy. It's not like they didn't try a whole bunch of stuff previous, but Jordan was missing practice with, with various elements. You had a whole lot got, like, like of offensive linemen who were out and, and missing, I think, four of your better ones at one point were, were out. You get those guys back, you get a, you get a, a you know, tiny sliver of health, and you're able to, to put some offense together. How much do you want to run Jordan is kind of my main question for this game. If you wanted to run Jordan Travis a lot, I think you could hit a whole bunch of explosive plays, and I think you could put up you know 55 or 60 if you felt like it. Uh, but how much do you want him hit? I mean, ask Derwin James about taking a hit against a nothing team. I would probably hand the ball off quite a bit in this game. If it means a fewer, you know, a couple fewer uh, explosive plays, I think that's probably okay. Work on some of the play action passing more in this thing just to get some comfort and some rhythm. We do know that Jordan threw the ball better in, in, in fall camp than he had at any other point in his, in his time in Tallahassee. To this point, we have not seen that translate to the game field very much. Last week, they didn't throw the ball hardly at all. Well, last time they played, they're coming off a bye week. They had, what, 13 passes, I think, dude? And 11 completions, which is a nice percentage, but it's still just 13 passes. So I would chuck the ball around more here. I I would. Um, I wouldn't put the ball in Jordan's hands running-wise a whole lot. If you want to have him you know, fake it or whatever, that's fine. Um, I'd give a heavy workload to the backs, maybe spread that workload around to the backs as well. And and see what you can do there, but I, I don't know that your your optimal strategy here for long term health of the season is the same strategy that would produce the most points. Well said. More or less, kind of what I was uh, talking about there, as far as what you could do, how you want to try to balance things, and um, what 
what it looks like as you really kind of roll into the meat of your schedule. Uh, anything else we need to dedicate necessarily to UMass? Or are we comfortable kind of moving into the uh, recruiting and uh, listener question or two before we duck on out? Do you want to give like a score prediction? 34 to 9. All right. Um, 49-14. Yeah, I, I think they'll still have some explosive plays. This defense is... Uh, it's pretty damn bad. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and pivot now, probably to congruity, but after that, some interesting listener questions and some recruiting chatter. Congruity are the good people that we've chosen to pair with and certainly would encourage you to do that as well. Matt Lewis, a uh, great guy who's uh, quite accomplished in the industry and certainly loves working with Noel fans, as I am fond of saying. Uh, give them five minutes, give them 10 minutes, five minutes to talk about Noel's ball and five minutes to see whether or not uh, your business would be a good fit with him and his company. Uh, you can reach Matt at 844-247-4100 or Noel's at congruityhr.com. All right. Uh, so a couple recruiting updates here. Number one, Trayvon Williams, the four-star defensive end out of Mississippi, uh, has finally decommitted. We discussed this a couple weeks ago. Right when he told the Clarion Ledger that he was like kind of backing off his equipment and looking around, which is basically kind of like saying a decommitment, but not officially decommitting. The old re-exploring the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I don't think he's going to go to LSU unless LSU gets a coach hired. Right now, this is a good example of losses have consequences. It is hard to pull elite players from out of state who you don't have a long-term relationship with. If you're two and four and you lose Jacksonville State and, and you're irrelevant on the national stage. Uh, I, quite frankly, I, I thought they had a chance maybe to keep him, they could get him back on campus again, uh, mainly because you are having nice success with the defensive end position so far this year. Yeah, but so is Mississippi State, right? Like they have a really nice defensive line there as well, and they're much closer to home. So at this point, I'd, I'd have to think Mississippi State's probably in the driver's seat there, uh, and you're going to have to turn uh, you know, maybe to an Eddie Kelly, uh, m- maybe to the transfer portal uh, again here, but you're not going to get a whole lot of elite pass rushers committing to you who don't have some kind of special connection or long-term relationship when you go two and four. And that's just kind of just kind of how it is, right? Yep. This is the first defection on the recruiting uh, trail that I'll point directly to the results on the field. Uh, the other two, uh, bah, I think would have happened regardless. Um, so I, I won't get uh, too far into that. But yeah, this is a this is a toughie. Hopefully you can figure out another piece to move into and uh, you know, when you when you take kids from Mississippi, kids that you know are going to continue to develop and be high-profile kids, uh, as a program, you know you got to get a lot of things right to get through that. It's a pretty decent wall uh, to climb, or at least decent hill to climb, I'll put it that way. Um, so, Antavius Woody, long thought to be kind of drifting back uh, towards Auburn. Give us your thoughts there. I, I know last week you said that uh, – might be slightly better place than kind of the general perception there, but uh, where do you feel Florida State stands with Woody right now? You know, I, I just I don't have any information that that the flip is imminent. Could be wrong. He, he might flip by the time you guys hear this podcast. Certainly, a, a lot of crystal balls rolling in for him. Um, obviously, like the Auburn Riders feel pretty good, and you know, FSU needs to find a way to get him back down to campus. He, he's made some trips to Auburn recently. Uh, that's a guy FSU went in on early. He had the grades concerns and you know, the, the qualifying concerns. FSU really, uh, they, they greenlit him, showed the faith in him early. And we'll see if he wants to uh, return 
uh, you know that. But Auburn's having a, a decent year here, and uh, you know I, I, I like the class they're putting together with Eston Harris and potentially uh, with Woody. So you know we'll have to see what happens there, man. Uh, but this would be another one that I think uh, you know losses do have consequences. You know, you screw around, you lose Jacksonville State. You, you're not competitive really against Wake Forest or for the most part against Louisville until very late in the game. Um, you know, that that's going to hurt you, and it, and it has. They don't have a whole lot of momentum right now on the trail. Listener question comes from Michael. He says, sitting here talking with my mom. That's interesting. My mom just texted me, why had the Braves kept Freed in? So I'm guessing that that's not going too well. But uh, Michael says, sitting here talking with my mom, who traveled as a marching chief to Ohio State, LSU, and Florida. It's just a couple of stadiums uh, slash teams she saw Florida State play. What are y'all's thoughts on Florida State's recent upcoming non-conference opponents? Also, who are some teams you'd love to see us play? As a San Antonio native, I'd love to see a Florida State versus Texas matchup. Well, uh, I think that these non-conference games are uh, like pretty awesome, but also ill-timed. Uh, you, you didn't necessarily know that you were going to be bad when, when you scheduled it, but like I don't think FSU is going to be a good team next year. So uh, having to go play LSU, we'll see what LSU looks like next year. Um, that's going to be an interesting opener. They obviously have the ones coming up with what Georgia and they got Bama as well, I believe. Yeah, just some team called Alabama, definitely. I think there's two kind of, um, well, it's the same discussion. There's two different aspects that you got to touch on here as to, one, should you be aggressive, aggressively scheduling in general? And two, do we need the not neutral field nonsense or are we looking more for home and homes? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would love to go as someone who's, in a place in their life, and certainly the Nolcast helps here, but the ability to go travel and look at games different places, I'd love to see Florida State play Washington or Oregon or Stanford. That'd be incredible. Uh, love to see Florida State travel more. The, the FSU Texas go out to Austin for four days. That would be a whole hell of a lot of fun. I think that the home and home, uh, the ability to travel to a decent school, uh, decent atmosphere, decent campus that you're alumni might not otherwise see all that frequently is the beautiful and great things about college football. And I uh, certainly understand that an athletic department that uh, desperately needs checks is <laughs> not going to be an athletic department that turns down like five to $6 million for appearance in some of these games, which is hell what you were getting a couple years ago. I'm sure you're probably getting even more now. Um, so I understand why it's happening. When we talked about this a couple years ago, I said, I didn't think Florida state's non you know, neutral or excuse me, neutral site games were going to go away. And uh, yeah, that's where this athletic department needs to go right now. And the home and home is fantastic. And it's certainly great for the local economy and our friends over at Madison Social and Township and everybody else. Uh, but an athletic department that desperately needs money is going to have a hard time turning away these marquee uh, neutral site games. Also, like if you go out there and get waxed, what, what, what is the, like, let's think about this, right? You, you're not competitive in the opening game. Um, people like to be lied to, man. Right? That's why some people don't like this show. I've heard that. I've heard that once or twice. A lot of people do like this show, but they, but people want to be lied to, right? And they want to feel much better about their team than a realistic view probably is. And if you start out with a cupcake or two, you can actually feel good about your team for a month or for six weeks in some cases. If you go out there and just get blasted and you're like, damn. Have a nice year, but we're not that level. 
you know, we're, we're, we're not going to contend for, for the ultimate prize. Uh, and that just sort of, it's like a, a blinding flash to the obvious in week one. That's problematic at times. And I wonder, so you get that money for that neutral site game. How about the, how about the money you lose in all the successive games the because tail. people are checking out? Yeah. 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 That's yeah, a good point. It's a good point. That's why the ideal game, bud, you need to schedule like uh, trips to Boulder, go back out to BYU. That was beautiful. You know, nice places, good schools, a good atmosphere game that you need to win. Uh, that's that's all the better. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good question, Michael, and something that uh, that type of stuff, you know, we certainly have talked about it previously, but something that we should probably give a little bit more consideration to. Uh, Bud, this is probably going to be maybe the shortest no cast we've done in like a long, long time. I don't know exactly. We don't do a lot of thirty minute episodes. Not a lot of that aren't that aren't instant reactions with me, you know, turning it off so that I can not have to talk anymore about a disappointing loss or whatever else. But uh, yeah, unless there's anything else, that has been uh, one of the shorter shows that I can recall us doing. There's not a whole lot tonight. Um... We, we had a couple suggestions for some more Kenny Rillingham and uh, Adam Fuller Truth. Let's do that after a couple more games, right? Uh, I don't know. There's there's one thing we, we could we could kind of run through tonight. Um, things to watch for specifically this weekend. Can Clemson run the ball? Because I think FSU's run defense is it's not as good as Pitt's, but FSU's run defense is okay. Uh, if Clemson totally gets shut down with the run and they're one-dimensional, That'll be kind of interesting. How does Miami bounce back after you had another difficult loss? I will say they didn't quit against against UNC. They deserve credit for not quitting there. I thought they might have quit. Maybe maybe Manny Diaz has something there with all those young guys, you know, playing hard. Maybe there's some broader chatter around that program. That's uh, I'd, I'd be concerned about that. But know, how real is NC State? I think they're a pretty good team, but this is a second consecutive road game. As we know, last week they. Not they weren't fortunate to win the game. They were fortunate to win the game, I think, by as much as they did win it. Uh, and Boston College obviously had a backup quarterback in. Then again, Miami also has a backup QB in as they go down there uh, this weekend. You know, Florida is on their bye week, so we're not really going to learn a whole lot about Florida here. But I'm I'm just look, man, just get out there, stay healthy. This should be a pretty interesting weekend of college football overall. Who does BC play this weekend? Are they, are they on a buy as well? No, no. Excuse me. No, they're they're at Louisville. That'll be another, that'll be another game, right? How well does BC run the ball on Louisville? How how many explosive play? Like BC's defense and FSU's defense are kind of comparable uh, in terms of of quality of talent, right? They both stop the run pretty well. They both can't stop the pass to save their life. How does Malik Cunningham look against Boston College? Is he hitting explosive plays like like he did against Florida State? You know, that game was what, 24-7 or 31-7.5, whatever it was. Um, I'm trying to remember now. You know, that that'll be something interesting. I feel like they're that they're comparable units there. And let's let's see how they do. Uh, and I want to see how well they actually throw the football uh, against a uh, against a, a Louisville defense that has not been great this year. Just some things that I'll be watching for uh, this weekend. I also want to say, uh, if you guys do watch the uh, the Buds Bets uh, live stream that I do, I will actually not be doing that this weekend. So if you want my power numbers uh, Sunday morning, I'm good at college ball betting. I know I'm good. This has been an unreal year. I mean, 150 and 100 against the spread is like is nuts. 
that's stuff people charge like a thousand dollars a month for and get it. I do, I'll, I will send my power numbers out to you guys. I know we got a lot of loyal subscribers out there. Or, well, subscribers, li- listeners for the most part. Uh, but Elliot CFB at gmail.com. I'll shoot it out to you guys for free. And then I'll, I'll the live show will, will resume uh, next Sunday, but this Sunday I'm actually not going to be around. So it's, uh, it's awesome what you're doing with that, man. You've had a great year. Uh, I congratulate you on that. And I don't really bet sports, but I've watched uh, a lot of them and it's fun to, uh, you know, it's fun to watch you have the lines come out, see you process that. I, I draw all sorts of comparisons to, the financial markets in an area that I'm a little more familiar with, but it's a great show. Won't be on this weekend, but uh, if any of our listeners haven't checked it out, I would certainly encourage it. What three o'clock on Sunday? Uh, normally like three thirty ish. I, I I try to wait for some of the offshores to come out. You know, like we don't really talk offshores because legality reasons. But I'm like, all right, DraftKings and FanDuel are out, and then also like we we know what time the offshores come out. Um, I'm looking forward to, to the instant reaction for UMass, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, can't wait to do it. Can't wait to do it for this game. So uh, look forward to it as well. Have a great time uh, on your weekend away, bud, for uh, our producer, Justin, music guy, Judson, everybody else associated with the Nolcast. Thank you very much. If you have the opportunity to subscribe, give us five stars on whatever podcast provider you find us on. All the good stuff. Know that's appreciated. I'll have the instant for you Saturday, and then we will jump back into the final the uh, real kind of meat of the schedule here in a season that I'm uh, bizarrely excited about seeing how it plays out, being that you started uh, 0-4. So with that, this has been the Nolcast. Bud's got one more thing. My son uh, my son loves the Halloween lights. For, for, for all listeners out there, uh, Igor, Igor made sure he got those Halloween lights with, with the quickness, and he was so excited to see it. Man. Make sure Bud had a little more work to do around the house before you get out of town. So you're welcome. You're welcome, my man. I appreciate it, Bud. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you soon. Later. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.